0: E-commerce expansion myths blasted. Successful cross-border expansion help. Listen to the show to hear how one UK company is helping e-commerce sellers successfully expand into Europe and double their profits. Hosted by Andy Hooper of Global E-commerce Experts.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Welcome to the E-commerce Expander Secrets podcast. Thank you very much for joining me. My name is Andy Hooper from Global E-commerce Experts. And today we've got a very, very exciting guest, uh, Chris McCabe from e Chris, Chris, are you there? I am here. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. Where are you in the world today?
0: I'm in Seattle, Washington. Uh, it's the first time in two years that I've been in Seattle due to unforeseen world events, right? So it's been a yeah. while. It's been a while.
1: Fantastic. I, I last <laughs> went January last year, uh, mm-hmm. just fe- maybe February, January, February, I can't actually remember now. And that was the last time I did a proper long haul flight as well. So I, I know where you're coming from. Yeah. So, uh, so Chris, why don't you give us a little introduction? So, who's Chris? Uh, what you currently do? Don't go into too much detail because we're going to dive into that deep in a minute. And uh, where you're currently based and perhaps why you're there right now. How's that sound?
0: Right, that's fine. So my quick sketch bio is: I worked at Amazon in what's known as the Seller Performance Teams for several years. That's the basis of my current consulting work uh, with Amazon sellers, be they uh, in the U S UK, EU, pretty much everywhere, Australia, New Zealand as well. At this point, um, we've been doing the consulting for six to seven years and I worked at Amazon for about six years. So I'd say it's a dozen years total um, of working with listing suspensions, account suspension work. Obviously I used to be the person sending the warnings to people or suspending the accounts. Now I'm on the other side, helping, uh, helping them understand the appeals process.
1: Fantastic. I mm-hmm. love that. Cause I think one of the number one things, questions we get is I've been suspended. Mm-hmm. and It's not my fault. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I think this is going to be really, really exciting. So for anyone that uh, has got a few questions, then feel free to put those into the message boxes as we're going through. And we'll answer those at the end, no problems whatsoever. So Chris, let's, dial it back a little bit if we may um did you let's start right at the beginning did you go to university or college or what did that look and whereabouts in the states was that
0: oh right so i went to the university of california berkeley Um, i'm originally from the boston area and that's where i currently reside so i'm boston based Um, i left seattle after i left amazon more or less i didn't didn't move straight to boston i lived in new york for a bit brooklyn um but currently boston based and Typically in a normal year, traveling, you know, all over the place while working with sellers. So, yeah, a lot of time in the UK and Europe, actually. Oh,
1: uh, yeah. yeah. So, well, Boston, I was just going to pick up on that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I know Boston. I don't know Boston particularly well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a friend that lives on Martha's Vineyard, which is incredibly amazing. Oh, wow. Um, nice. which, is, which is beautiful. <laughs> uh, but uh, that, that my experience of Boston is in and then out to there mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. although we're hoping to get to some events maybe in the year. But I I can see why you traveled across for for those. So what made you go to Berkeley? Berkeley, I'm going to say that completely wrong. I apologize. Uh, In Canada for for, for sort of that education piece.
0: Yeah, I wanted warmer weather, and I also wanted to go to a a large university with that kind of reputation. UC Berkeley has a great reputation, and especially for what I majored in, which was political science, um, good, good training for the battlegrounds of Amazon to come all the uh, written correspondence and strategy with the appeals process corresponds quite well to the sorts of papers I wrote while I was at Berkeley.
1: So well, that, that was going to be my next question, actually, mm-hmm. how, how does what you did relate to what you eventually did? And I think you've covered that perfectly. So did yeah. you, did you go straight to Amazon from from leaving you know, sort of education?
0: No, itself? I was in the entertainment industry for a while, production side, operation side of uh, making movies, commercials, television. So I lived, I split time between New York and Los Angeles for several years, I would say, before moving to Seattle. Seattle was the place where I really kind of stuck and stayed for a longer period of time. And that's how I got into fraud investigation. I started working at a company called Blue Nile, which was online jewelry sales, um, I think they're still around. I haven't uh, checked, but uh, soon after that, moved into doing fraud prevention work for Amazon. So it really began with trying to protect Amazon from problematic sellers and bad behavior from sellers, and obviously protecting buyers from buying from them. That's that was my original role. Uh, yeah. Over the years, it grew into hey, we get all these emails from sellers who are appealing things or trying to figure out what we're doing, or we ask them for things and they give us something else. Uh, and that's how the seller performance team evolved around me while I was there several years ago.
1: Fantastic. So mm-hmm. I want to you, is, that, is that entertainment piece? Yeah. So is that, is that behind the screen, in front of the screen or camera, shall I say? What did that look like?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, production work more or less just supporting the producers who were uh, definitely behind the camera. It was only later that I started doing things like stand-up comedy, which I didn't really get paid for. <laughs> that was more open mic type stuff. Um, but I wanted to enhance my public speaking skills. I guess now I use them in a totally different way. I'm just, I'm just coming out of the Prosper Show in Las Vegas last week. So not, not quite making as many jokes as I used to. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I was only halfway funny but I've definitely lost some of my sense of humor since I got into Amazon consulting.
1: <laughs> well, so I've got, i got two further questions there. Yep. So you, did you ever do any productions that anyone would know that was sort of like, you know, a meet anyone specifically amazing? And secondly, um, where was the best place you performed?
0: Oh, I mean, I, the best place was a weekly open mic event in uh, near UCLA in West Los Angeles um, just because of It, it was a great, Supportive uh, group of people some some who are already paid comics and the others weren't like me Um, and uh, nowhere splashy in terms of the stand-up. I've done it around boston, but not for several years. Yeah um, and your first question was uh Productions, you know what I had a string of like new york-based cop shows that I worked on. I don't think you'd know them um commercials the only thing that would stand out was something I think it was for Frito Lay, a potato chip commercial with uh, Pamela Anderson. She's sort of faded from the scene now, yeah. but some people might remember who she is.
1: Oh, we definitely remember Pamela. Yeah. Anderson. watch in, in right. the UK, definitely.
0: Right. Oh. Did not get to know Pam very well. I think I just had to uh, ride on the um, the boat that took her out to sea. It was a, it was a sea sea based shoot off of Malibu, so. Um, that was that the only interesting part about it.
1: Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm guessing that a shoot at sea in a boat probably isn't that easy.
0: Um, it, it's definitely not easy when you drop your walkie talkie into the water and it disappears on, into the Pacific Ocean, which is something I experienced. Uh, so, yeah. um, oh, wait, I, I do have a quick tidbit. Um, Michael yeah. Bay was the director of that uh, before he did Armageddon and all these things. Um, That's- and I was the person who served him boiling hot, you know, to get, the, to get his tea just right, it had to be boiling hot because by the time you got it out to sea from land, it might've cooled off, but we overdid it. So I delivered him something that was still extremely boiling hot and he burned his tongue when he drank it. So he wasn't happy about that, but he didn't blame oh, me.
1: Uh, yeah. well, there, well, there we, well, that set you up nicely for what <laughs> we're going to go into. So, so you yes. first started doing the fraud piece With Mm -hmm. the jewelry firm that you were talking about there. Yeah. Yeah. That took me straight into
0: Amazon because at Amazon, buyers and sellers both were learning to trust this idea of an online marketplace. So they needed people to scrutinize orders. In my case, I worked on a lot of A to Z guarantee claims. I don't know if you've ever filed one of those against a third party seller uh, my first six months at Amazon, I was reviewing claims and giving, giving buyers a chance to say why they wanted their money back, sellers a chance to defend themselves, and then sort of rendering a verdict, you know, much like a m- like a magistrate or a judge in that case, and who wins and who loses. On occasion, Amazon would say, this is a no fault, you know, we'll pay for it. We can't figure out who's right, who's wrong, that the amount of money isn't so you know big that we want to foster a uh, you know, bad relationship with either of these parties, because they really did want to build up trust in those days
1: yeah I think yeah. That's the thing so you use at Amazon for six years, you said
0: yeah, so six years and then maybe five and a half on the seller investigation side and and half a year doing a to Z guarantee claims, uh, which I was glad to get out of that and to get into I could see that the merchant marketplace was going to expand you know rapidly um, and I wanted to get more involved in that uh, that process
1: yeah, because presumably you know if we're going back you've been in this bit and you're in the last bit you, we're sort of going back twelve years almost so. Actually, yeah. that's sort of in the infancy, to a degree of mm-hmm. the you know, that sort of area of the complaints coming through and trying to get everything resolved. Is mm-hmm. that, that to say?
0: Yeah, I mean, in later years, people took this stuff for granted, and and yeah. buyers, for example, uh, believed that well, if a you know seller gives me a bad time, um, Amazon will send me a gift card or they'll refund my order. They understood that Amazon was very charitable towards complaining buyers, um, and yeah. of course that. Uh, that bore bore out over the years as Amazon saw buyers come back over and over and join Prime and all the other you know um, efforts yeah. they've done to keep buyers and coming back. But even yeah. sellers, um, at least back then, sellers felt like they were protected and understood to a degree, um, still shook their heads at a lot of the account suspensions, still told us we don't know why we're suspended. That yeah. hasn't changed over the years. Um, but what we've noticed since that time is that, uh, management of seller performance teams or policy enforcement teams has tightened restrictions on sellers and it's become a harsher marketplace, mm. uh, more difficult to communicate with Amazon, more difficult to make them happy, to show them the kinds of documentation they want, to show yes. them the kinds of appeals they want, so on yeah. and so
1: on. Yeah. So where did the idea for e-commerce, Chris, come up?
0: Yeah, so the last year I was at Amazon, I more or less saw things trending downhill steeply yeah. in terms of the quality of their communication, the quality of their investigation of seller accounts, the quality of the management around me, the quality of just about everything. So I uh, you know, semi-conjured up this notion of, hey, somebody needs to be on the other side to to explain how we think, why we do what we do, how we work, whether or not it's fair, whether or not they can debate with us what's fair and what isn't. Um, somebody needs to be out there advocating for sellers and, and forming a liaison between my teams and the seller side of the community, just so you don't have two parties talking past each other, which unfortunately we have quite a bit of that today.
1: So Oh yeah. We definitely yeah. see that a lot. You know, submit a ticket to seller central and off you go. Right. Right. You um, so, okay. So and you- it's been
0: worsening. I mean, I, yeah. whatever I thought was the reason that I was leaving because I couldn't take it anymore back then today is, is 10 times worse. So yeah. I'm not sure I foresaw that things would slide off to this degree.
1: Yeah. yeah. So e-commerce, Chris, then, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we've alluded to that so far. Yep. It essentially supports sellers that are blocked, and need un-gating. What does that look like?
0: Yeah, not so much on gating I mean, we do ASIN listing takedowns, ASIN level suspensions, account suspensions, yep. of course, helping yep. them manage the, uh, whether it's help with writing an appeal or just managing strategy around the appeals process, especially as many sellers come to us after taking a couple of cracks at it and not getting anywhere, uh, helping them understand how to communicate with my former teams, which often means escalating things when they're stuck. Uh, Obviously you can't escalate anything if your appeal isn't very good or your plan of action as they call it is incomplete. Uh, So we kind of take over that process and get that well-written, get that into shape to be submitted. And then if Amazon's ignoring it for no discernible reason, helping sellers escalate it. I mean, those are account level suspensions where the end of the Amazon business is nigh if they cannot get that uh, account reinstated. Um, Over the years, we've started offering other services, account review services. Competitors are attacking each other left and right, helping them understand how to report abuse. I mean, abuse, again, back last week at the Prosper Show, um, quite a bit of abuse uh, led to us creating a workshop to help people defend themselves against other brands attacking them, and helping them understand those teams at Amazon as well.
1: I, I have to say that 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 sort of online, you know, seller attacking seller, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's black really hat tough. services. <laughs> yeah, it's really yep. tough, isn't it? Because yep. if someone buys your product and gives you a negative review, yep. actually, how do you even prove that that is your competitor? I mean, it's a real nightmare, isn't it?
0: Often there are patterns that identify themselves over time. You get hit the same way by presumably the same party. Uh, Sometimes you can see that everyone within your category, your brand, if you're a private label brand, everyone selling your kind of product gets attacked except for one other person and you can kind of figure out it's coming from them. You can't make too many guesses and just hope Amazon fills in the blanks. You have to give detailed abuse reports. Um, But often if you're attacked enough, your listings go down enough, you can say, look, we're getting flagged repeatedly for the same thing um, mm. all of a sudden over a course of days, not weeks. And for two months or two years, we've sold this product. I mean, what's the story here? Um, unfortunately, Amazon's a little behind the curve on abuse reporting, but they'll, they'll catch up
1: hopefully. What are, what are the sort of the top three things you're dealing with at the moment then? yeah, you know, If the top, you know, taking abuse, we've just done that. Right. Right. What are the top three things that you, know, you see as the sort of the trends? Right. I know we want to see trends in this category but Mm -hmm. what are the the common uh things that you you sort of see
0: yeah so in terms of listing suspensions that sometimes turn into account-wide suspensions item quality and item condition complaints so the item quality complaints amazon calls them inauthentic items that's the complaint category the condition complaints they unfortunately call it used sold as new Um, these are very you know murky misleading terms that have come through the years and never been changed, but Mm. sellers need to understand that that's the nature of that kind of complaint, either item quality or item condition. Um, Expired items or, you know, safety complaints kind of fold into both of those categories sometimes with some overlap. Um, Also reviews abuse. We're still seeing a lot of sellers who don't understand reviews, abuse, enforcement, or uh, sales rank manipulation. They're still trying tricks, you know, taught by marketing companies that say they're Terms of service compliant or compliant with Amazon policy, but they're not. Um, that's one area of concern I have is that sellers are trusting these services or not fact checking what you know what potential violations spring out of those actions to to get fake reviews or to inflate sales rank. Uh, so that's the second. Um, and the third is just anyone is fulfilling their own orders, you know, not doing 100% FBA, uh, fulfilled by merchant or seller fulfilled Prime. Amazon's extremely strict on those uh, performance metrics and anyone who can't meet them finds themselves cut off, especially if they've been cut off for that before. They're having a lot of difficulty getting back into those programs. Yeah, that's,
1: that's yeah. still fulfilled prime. Actually, we've, we, yeah, we've seen a lot of that recently.
0: Yeah, uh, and they've denied most of the appeals sellers send in for that. Yeah. So they're very
1: strict at this point. Yeah, totally agree. <clears throat> totally agree. And so you said that you work across both the US and, and Europe. So you know, for sellers right. listening, you know, where, where what ge- geography do you cover and look after?
0: Pretty global at this point. Um, we don't work with many Chinese sellers; those are pretty aberrant and few and far between. Yeah, um, had some clients in you know Singapore, Malaysia, that that part of the world. Um, also Australia, New Zealand, in addition to U.S., U.K., EU. Um, that forms most of. Occasionally, we do Am- Amazon Japan cases,
1: but not very often. So. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. on demand. That 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 will probably increase as as the number of sellers increase in Japan. I suspect. Right, uh, and we occasionally
0: get sellers based in the Middle East. I should say as well. Yeah. 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 Okay, mm-hmm. fantastic.
1: And mm-hmm. you actually, what I'd love to touch on, I couldn't get to Prosper unfortunately because I'm in the UK and travel right. to the States. So uh, you you obviously just come back from Prosper. What mm-hmm. what your thoughts? How how was it? Was there a party atmosphere because people could get out and get to a conference again or?
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of the aggregator companies that are trying to accumulate private label brands, you've probably heard about that trend. Yeah. Um, a lot of the aggregators were there having parties. It kind of has that, you know, fresh IPO atmosphere to it. I haven't yeah. spent a lot of time in uh, Silicon Valley, but I would imagine it's something similar. Um, there was some sort of Tesla giveaway going on last week in Vegas yeah. at the show. I didn't hear much about that, um, but I went to some other uh, other parties, you know. With uh, <laughs> nice food and entertainment, um, this is a big trend in the space right now. Grow a private label brand. Um, aggregators get your uh, you get an aggregator's attention. They get on the phone, talk to you about we think yeah. we can grow this. You know, four x, seven x, ten x beyond what you've done with it, and would like to to buy the uh, business from you. So yeah. that's one of the hottest trends right now. Me and what I cover, there's never any shortage of sellers that need help with reinstatement appeals who are stuck who are trying to do it themselves or they unfortunately hired a service that didn't have our chops or our background or our experience um, and stumble their way through it. That's one of the other trends that's sort of unseemly in, I guess you'd call it my consulting niche. Um, A lot of sellers are hiring services that are no better at appealing than they are. And they could have just saved their, saved their dollars pounds or euros and done it themselves and gotten the same result. So
1: that's um, a really good question actually. I'm um, gonna just touch on the aggregator. Yeah. I mean you're mm-hmm. in contact with like I mean, dozens of them. Yeah. Just dozens. Um, um
0: I wouldn't say dozens. There are a handful of large ones that I've talked to. I haven't talked to that many smaller ones.
1: Yeah. I mean I'm getting I'm probably getting contacted on LinkedIn once mm-hmm. a week from yeah. another aggregator every yeah. single week. Um, yeah. so So, yeah, I think that's going to be a common theme. Uh, At what point does that stop, continue uh, bottom out? I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see. Um, I don't
0: know if it will stop anytime soon because as long as you're creating a private label brand that's succeeding and you've sold, you know, low um, low seven figures or maybe even up to low eight figures and there's an aggregator out there that thinks they can grow you several times over, that will continue. So as long as people are launching new products that that are the basis of new successful brands, those aggregators will be out there trying to outcompete each other with a
1: hill of money to spend on this. Because is great news to sellers actually, because they should be sort of competing with each other a little bit. Yeah, that's all great news. Some of them
0: them have hundreds of millions of dollars in venture capital. Oddly enough, or or not oddly as the case may be, a lot of them are Boston-based, where I am. at least a few of them. I mean, Boston's a financial services hub, um, okay. but for something like this, I would have you know, figured something like Silicon Valley or Wall Street. Um, a lot of these companies are Boston based and we've had them come to our meetup. Um, and, and it's funny, you mentioned events in, in Boston before. We're doing our own conference in Boston. I've done it a couple of years prior, but oh, really? it's, it's called the Seller Velocity Conference. I mean, I, I'm happy to have you attend if you can make it to Boston in September. Um,
1: uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah I, I would love to. We're supposed to be in White Label in Vegas and then right. White Label in New York. Right. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to. If, if I can get to either of those and I can add that onto, Yep. all for it.
0: This is right before White Label New York, I believe. This is uh, September 23rd. It's a one-day event that I do in Boston.
1: So oh, fantastic. I'll, I'll get you it. some info. Yeah. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be super. And for while we're on that, so what sort of seller would be interested in that and have a let's have a little plug on that while
0: we're here, yeah, I mean, I tend to have content that's for established sellers, advanced content, usually in terms of the speakers, um, not so much for resellers, it's a brand conference um, and yeah. you'll you'll see that on on the site for sellervelocityconference.com. Uh, but for brands that are looking to take things to the next next level, not necessarily just getting themselves established that that said, there are some newer brands who have only been selling six months or 12 months, um, but they've cut their learning curve by studying up and researching a lot of the Amazon marketplace issues before they got got into it, yeah. or they had a consultant guiding them through it, or they hired an agency to get them through it. So there will be some uh, brands that haven't necessarily you know, sold mountains and mountains of product just yet. Uh, but for the most part, it's a conference of roughly 100 sellers that are going to be there um, because they've already gotten They've already cut their teeth and they've already gotten some, some legroom under them in terms of sales and, and growing a, a brand. So it's not really for how to get started. Yeah,
1: fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Chris, what, what, what sort of trends are you seeing leading into Q4? In your sort of experience coming forward in the Amazon world mm-hmm. right now, what sort of things should people be thinking about considering? What trends do you see as something that's like leading right now? What, what's your thoughts on all that?
0: Yeah, um, I I do. I I still see sellers who don't fundamentally fail to understand the appeals process Um, and they make some initial mistakes, but then they compound them with additional mistakes and they take a timeline that could have been a few days of having their top selling ASIN down to a few weeks. And you can't do that in Q4 because you could be costing yourself, you know, two or three times the revenue you usually make the rest of the year. Um, but just making, I mean, you mentioned submitting seller central tickets. We don't spend a lot of time with seller support at all because we know that's pretty much just copy and paste responses from Amazon. Uh, you have to know when to pull the trigger on an escalation early in the process. I mean, if you're stuck and you, you call into account health services, not seller support, but you call account health and they're not able to provide any information on why your appeals have been denied. Um, that probably means they're not being read or it probably means that, uh, that, you know, if you can't get to the reasons why it was denied, that you have to reformulate what you're sending in in the first place before you even consider an escalation. So there's multiple layers of appeal strategy that I don't see sellers, even seasoned, experienced sellers adopting from the get go. I've gotten to the point where I even have people drafting things. I, I try to encourage all sellers to have an appeal ready and waiting just in case. You get a listing takedown, especially heading into Q4.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that's that's an amazing tip, actually, right there, isn't it? You know, make sure you've got that appeal letter ready and ready to go. Right,
0: because you have a wealth of ASIN level data in Seller Mm -hmm. Central. You know, you can look at the kinds of complaints you're getting, maybe anticipate the kinds of listing takedown you're you're looking at. And I'm not saying create, you know, a hybrid appeal of five or six different approaches for every single ASIN, that's very time consuming. Nobody has time for that in Q4. But if you can look at the kinds of return reasons you're getting scrutinized voice of the customer constantly, negative feedback, obviously claims and and bad product reviews. If you have any sense that, you know, Amazon might be circling your ASIN to suspend it and asking you for a plan of action, you can at least get some nuts and bolts into a basic draft of a POA and not have to scramble when they take the listing down or give you a couple of days to appeal it before they take the listing down. Too many sellers are, are way behind the curve and just scrambling for ideas and suggestions, and calling people like me saying, "You gotta, you gotta call me back right away. This isn't, you know, an emergency." I'd love to see sellers prepare for emergencies a little bit ahead of time.
1: I, 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 that is actually, I bet half the battle for you right now, isn't it? That you know, people don't come to you because they just want to have a nice, one-worded chat. It's, <laughs> uh, my, my 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 top selling performing asset has been taken down yeah. and I need you now. Yeah. Like, there's never any, yeah, well, we can do that next week type approach because it just doesn't work, does it? Well, some people
0: get a performance notification that might be pretty worrisome and we do hear from them a week later. And sometimes that's because the listing wasn't taken down yet and they're not motivated to bring somebody like me in unless they're suspended. But you know, like I say, it, it's a good idea to try to prevent that kind of damage and revenue loss whether or not you need to bring me in at some point um, yeah. by, being, by being ready for stuff like that. At least having the nuts and bolts or the guts of the uh, <laughs> nuts and guts of the root causes, why buyers were complaining about that particular product. And you might think some of the complaints aren't, aren't valid, right? But the complaints are there. Amazon's probably going to consider them legitimate unless you know, they're written in some sort of childlike scrawl that makes no sense and
1: they think it might be from a competitor. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Chris, uh, it's been super amazing talking to you. If people want to get in contact, they've got a problem with an ass in, they've been taken down, whatever that might look like. Mm-hmm. How much do people get in contact with
0: you? Yeah, So e dot We've got a contact form, which is the way most people fill out some information and, and contact us originally. Uh, you can also reach me at chris at e com. C-H-R-A-S at, and of course the seller velocity, uh, SellerVelocityConference.com. I'll, I'll give you some of these links once we're done. Um, that's the conference we're, we're having here in September. So, yeah.
1: Perfect. And we'll have those links in the description. If you listen to this on the podcast, it'll be in the description of the uh, web of the podcast. And if you're looking at this on social, there'll be some links into the social chats and comments. And we'll make sure they go on. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Uh, this was the e Expand, commerce Expander Sequels podcast. It's been amazing to talk to you and learn a little bit more about what you do and how you can support and help sellers. Yep. And we look forward to uh, having a chat again in the future and seeing how what, how, what you're doing in the future. Yep. Thank you very much, everyone, Thank for your you. time. Thank you. And we'll look after you. look after you. We'll see you on the next episode very soon. Thank you very much. Cheers, Chris. Bye-bye. Bye.